And we've got all the right in the world on our side. And there ain't no reason to be afraid. And there ain't no reason to not take the challenge dead on. Because I'm going to tell you who we come from, folks. We don't come from some weak, jellyback, spineless people. That's not who we come from. None of us. And it doesn't matter what color you are, what nation your folks hail from, how much money you got. We all share the same name. We are Americans. And at Bunker Hill, there was Americans. And at Fredericksburg and Gettysburg, there was Americans. And at Iwo Jima, raising that flag on Sarabachi, it was Americans. And at Porkchop Hill, there was Americans. Quezon, there was Americans. And on 9-11, there was Americans who ran towards those burning buildings. That is who you share your heritage with. You do not share your heritage with a weak and ineffective people who cower at the side of trouble. You share your heritage with a strong and brave people who are determined to hold on to their freedom and for the freedom of future generations. Guys, it's time for us to stand up and be that generation. It's time for us to stand strong and proud to remember who we are, that we are Americans. And as long as we stand as the vanguard of freedom in this nation, Freedom will survive. Not only survive, but So guys, it's time to put on our packs. It's time to fix those bayonets. It's time to get ready. We got a fight on our hands. And our fight is not for us. For all those generations that's going to come behind us. Let's save America, folks. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Hey folks, how's it going? Jovan Hutton Pulitzer here. Thank you for joining me this evening, fellow crap cutters. As you know, crap, culture, race, and American politics. Be proud to be called the crap cutter. It's probably the only time in your life anybody was totally okay with calling you crap, right? We're all here to cut the crap. So do me a favor, folks, share this program. And tonight we're going to do a deep dive into attorney generals. Uh, not the jellyback, limp, lily, bitches in Arizona, but true, powerful attorney generals. The time of uh, the kind of attorney generals that hey, we want to have a fighting backbone. Uh, this is what's happening in Illinois with my friend Dave Shadokas. You're gonna be able to hear him. You're gonna be able to ask him questions. All kinds of stuffs going on today, right? All kinds of stuff, especially some of this uh, January 6th stuff. You heard about the uh, guy leading for governor, right, uh, who beat all of the old BS rhino incumbents. Well, they went and locked him up today. So we're going to be talking about that. So do me a favor, share the program right now. That's how we fight this war. It's a one-finger war. I know you want to give them the finger. Give them this finger. Share this program right now. Right, share it right now. Get other people involved. Uh, and yeah, I'm having all some kinds of trouble uh, on different things like Rumble and stuff. Uh, LinkedIn already booted me. We knew it was coming. Now they're challenging. Am I really Jovan Hutton Pulitzer? They're pulling all kinds of shenanigans to keep us from airing there. But we're gonna have fun with them. It's okay. Let's get ready to cut some crap and let's dig into what does it take to really be an attorney general. Hey, by the way, do you know the difference between an attorney general? Uh, at the federal level versus an attorney general in the state and what they're responsible for. That's part of what you're going to learn tonight. Get ready, folks. Here we go. Cut the crap. How many times a day do you want to say that to politicians, the elite, the loony liberals, the fake news media, 
in the gender-confused, emotional, socialist, snowflake crowd. Cut the crap is your secret weapon for fighting for our freedoms and our great republic. It all begins with a massive mental enema, freeing you from the toxic news and politically correct views, which constipate your consciousness with stinking thinking. Your host, Joe Von Hutton Pulitzer. He's known for calling out politicians and telling them to cut the crap. You've seen him on virtually every television network and listen to him on Coast to Coast Radio. And now he's here to help you learn to fight for America. Culture, race, and American politics, they all have one thing in common. They all need to cut the crap. Now, here's your host, Jovan Hutton Pulitzer. Hey, folks, how's it going? Jovan Hutton Pulitzer here. Welcome to Cut the Crap. Shout out to all my listeners on Real Talk FM 93.3. By the way, joining me this uh, evening is David, David, Dave Shatokas, right? Uh, Looks like he's going to be the next Attorney General of Illinois. He's going to straighten out Illinois. Right, Dave? How's it going? It's going very well, Jovan. It's great to, uh, great to be with you. I was with you recently in person with uh, General Flynn and our uh, common friend Bobby. Right. I, don't, I don't think I'm as much fun as Bobby is. I've seen uh, you and Bobby, and uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, quite, it's quite the show. It's quite the comedy routine. Uh, I don't know what it is about Bobby and I, but uh, you know, I love Bobby to death. But uh, like Bobby said, there's something in him I bring out <laughs> in him that touches his little devil inside and gets him going. Hey, you know, if we weren't laughing at times, we'd be crying, right? Just for yeah. people who haven't seen you on my program before, do me a favor and tell people about your backgrounds. I remind folks, you can find uh, Dave has several books. One is called uh, creating the Declaration of Independence. You can find that on Amazon. He's got constitutional sound bites. I think there may even be two parts to it now. Uh, look those up. Take a screenshot. Look them up on Amazon. Uh, but Dave, give folks your background for me, please. I will do that when you're talking about. There may be another part. Actually, there's another uh, edition of constitutional sound bites called uh, Capsulus Informativas Constitucionales, which is the only book in Spanish that. Uh, Explains the founding doctrines of the United States of America. Fantastic! Only book in the world. Congratulations! Yeah, so we're uh, we're excited about that too. And I, I recently I recently was uh, endorsed by the uh, Illinois Latino Pastors Association, and they're uh, using those books to uh, teach their congregation about the United States of America. So we're really excited about those kinds of things. I love that. I think the Hispanic community came out tremendously for President Trump. I know in in Arizona. 50% of the provisional ballots that they rejected were, were Hispanic uh, minorities, right? Yeah. They got huge suppression. So let's start with tell people about your background sure. and uh, what qualifies you to be attorney general, other than being a red, white, and blue proud American that needs to save this nation. And we are absolutely tired of these no balls and almost all strikes attorney generals that we have in states like Arizona. Let's start there. So give them your background. Well, we'll start there. Uh, but you know what? Before I was a lawyer, I actually grew up, I delivered my first case of beer when I was five years old, Jovan. Oh, wow. Uh, our family was in the beer business. My uh -huh. grandfather started that. Started that, And you know, strangely enough, he started in 1933 out of the trunk of his car. These days he would be arrested, you know, uh, for doing that. Uh, it, it started a business that went on for 60 some years and over time probably employed a thousand people. But wow. today, but today my uh, grandfather would be arrested for doing what he did to get his business off the ground. You know, it's a strange world that we live in. Uh, I wound up growing up on a beer truck. So I'm somewhere along the way, I got a law degree. So I'm actually a beer guy with a law degree. That okay? works. That works. Can't get you more know? Americana than that. Right. And this yeah, was, all, this was in, was this in Illinois? Oh yeah. I was in Chicago. Uh, on the south side of Chicago and near Midway Airport is uh, where uh, where Grandpa started, and then Dad uh, Dad did it, and he he was interrupted for his uh, naval service during World War II, and then uh, came back, and then uh, when I was born, Dad actually was running a tavern. I originally grew up in the tavern, then he delivered beer on the weekends, and I'd go with him. These days, of course, Dad would be arrested for taking a five year old kid out with beer. 
you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, now dad would be arrested for taking a five-year-old kid out for beer, but dad would be applauded if you, his little boy, wanted to be a little girl. They taught you the safe place to masturbate in the house in preschool, right? Talk about yeah, being upside down. Lifting a twenty-two pound case of beer and throwing it in the uh, <laughs> throwing it in the ice bath for the people at the picnic. How uh, far does your family go back in Chicago? You mentioned your father, your grandfather. Does it go back further than that? No, it starts actually in the uh, early 1900s when uh, all four of my grandparents came from Lithuania, which is part of the story here too as well, because uh, one of them, my grandmother Shostokas, Barbara Shostokas, was one of 11 children in Lithuania. They uh -huh. ultimately, in the early uh, teens, during the course of the Russian Revolution, put her on a boat by herself and sent her to America. Eight of her brothers and sisters, two were priests, four were worked the family farm. Another sister was a nun. Another job was a school teacher. They were slaughtered by the communists, eight of yeah. her brothers and sisters. And this is uh, the kind of thing that we don't hear enough about in terms of, uh, in terms of the, what's handed, handed down to people properly about the appreciation for this country. My grandmother, uh, she was born in September, but she made us celebrate her birthday on the 4th of July because that was the anniversary of her naturalization. And I love that. Considered to be, that's what she considered herself to be born, Jovan. You know? I love and that. Uh, you, now you don't get much more American than that. You start Not at that. all. You Not go at to, all. You go to beer. And, of course, we say that we started in 1933, uh, but that's when it became legal. Uh, so I don't know. What, I don't know what the history, what uh, the beer business was before 33, because, of course, that was uh, prohibition was still in effect at that time. Well, just like you said, you're uh, you're a uh, beer guy with a law degree. Tim out there on Facebook said he happens to be a law guy with a beer degree. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all may have something in common, right? I, uh, yeah, we do. I, what's your, what's I, your, fa what's I your favorite beer? I actually know Tim. He's a great guy. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, yeah, what's, your what's your favorite beer? Mine right now? Yeah. Mine, it's, it's, it's something dark these days. Usually, uh, if I could get him, if I could find, my, find a Grolsch, uh, I would I would really like a Grolsch more than anything else. Not it's bad. Not so, not so easy to find. I wish I could do dark beers. I don't know what it is. I love beer. Maybe it's the German in me, right? First generation American. I adore beer. I've never been able to do dark beers. You know, like the Guinness. Yeah. I've, I've done Guinness at the factory. Now I've gone over to Guinness at the factory. That's completely different than the U.S. I can do that. But I'm light beer. I like I like I'm a Stella. I'm I'm a Stella guy. A Stella, I love a really good Stella. I like beer. Stella. Stella's a, Stella's a fine beer. You mentioned Guinness at the factory. Part of my law school, I went to uh, Trinity College in Dublin. Ah. Uh, I, I, and so I went to. I, I spent a few more than a few weekends at the uh, at the brewery in uh, in uh, in Dublin. Uh, I so, love the history there. I so, love uh, the history. So then I so I, I worked in the beer business. Grew up on a beer truck. Uh, so uh, in fact. Learn to drive a truck before I learn, uh, learn to drive a car, you know. So, uh, so these are these are real American stories in terms of people, you know, actually working and whatnot, you know, getting their hands dirty, delivering things. And the other interesting thing about the beer business is uh, beer crosses all demographics. Yes, it does. You know? And uh, I actually, again, deliver beer. I was probably in two thousand taverns during the course around Chicago during the course of my life. And I, but I learned early on that there was no black and there was no yellow and there was no white. There was no, there was only green and there was beer, right? Right. Uh, there's just because everybody wanted, everybody wants the same things. Everybody wants their life to be secure. They want to, they want a civil society within uh, to live, and they want uh, the government to protect their God-given rights. That's what the government is supposed to do. And it's uh, very interesting. I just had an endorsement from the uh, Illinois Latino Pastors Association, and you know. I also talk to black communities uh, and whatnot, and I don't tailor a message for anybody. The message is always the same. It's always got to do with make crime illegal again. Uh, yeah, there you go. You mean you don't do like Hillary and get your ghetto speak on to try to morph to the crowd? You just tell them the truth? I really just tell them the truth. And you know what? That, the truth is the, the same. And so... And while we while we were going while we were while I was running the beer business, I did go to law school. I got a a, a law degree from the John Marshall Law School in Chicago uh, in 1987, and then uh, uh, later I went on to become uh, an assistant state's attorney in Cook County. Back in the back in an unusual time, Joe, we used to actually prosecute criminals. Yes, you know, back in the old days, we had uh, 
we have changed. It's it's upside down and sad. And uh, yeah, I know we're going to get into it. I'm going to get into several things, January 6th, stuff like this. And But the people who should be defending us and a lot of this election integrity stuff is our attorney generals. And yes. we've talked about this before because we've been on the road together before, too, is the system is broken. So let's just get this right out of the way. Why are you willing to put yourself through the abuse to run for public office and to be attorney general? And what's going to make you different as an attorney general in a state as corrupt as Illinois? You know, I've, I've gotten a lot of uh, media questions of, uh, somewhat like that. And they say, well, what can you do to prevent government overreach or what can you do to prevent corruption? And it, it's a very simple three word answer. Enforce the law. Yeah, amen. All the laws that we need to, to correct all these things are already on the books. They just need to be enforced. You and I were at that event with General Flynn not, uh, not too long ago, a few weeks back. And I had the opportunity to, to talk about that a little bit. But now I have a new hero, Jason uh, Mieres, uh, in uh, in Virginia, okay. uh, who's the brand new attorney general there. And I've heard about him. He's supposedly like a hardcore rock star and hit the ground running with indictments. Same fellow? Uh, yeah, he's only been in, he's been in office since January, and about a month ago, uh, they came out with an 82 count indictment wow. uh, against a county board member and clerk in uh, Virginia County, and I believe it's Richmond County, Virginia. I'm not sure about that, but it's 82 counts of election fraud. Fantastic, uh, because this voter fraud crap, you know it. It's a rig. They're going to get somebody for voting their dead grandma's ballot. And they do one little token prosecution so they can hang out there. Yeah, there was 5 million voters, but only one little voter fraud that's non-existent. It's not about voter fraud. It's about election fraud, the system, right. the rig, the people doing it. That's ex that's exactly what it's about. And uh, Miras is, uh, as you say, uh, I've found him to be a rock star. He's my, until, I, until I hopefully join him, he's my hero. Uh, he's uh, been doing a lot of things in terms of making crime illegal again. He talks about the uh, situation where we've had too much circumstances where it's been the criminals first and the victims last. Uh, and that's just the absolute reverse of what society is built upon. So uh, we're going to do that. I wound up, uh, but I do have a background in doing that. I've already put people in jail. Right. Uh, or I've already prosecuted people. Let's, let's put that. I'm part of, part of the system to follow through, to put them in put people in jail and prosecute them properly. Uh, more than 400 plus felony cases I was involved in, more than 10,000 misdemeanors as an assistant state's attorney in Cook County. And for whatever it's worth, I have two primary opponents. Neither of them have ever done a criminal case as a prosecutor in their life. Ever? How, how ever. does somebody even think they're, well, it's Illinois, but how does somebody even think they're going to be effective if they've never put that particular boot to pavement and know what it's all about. Yeah, no, it's a, it, that's a very special boot to pavement because it's a very interesting uh, job. I've had the privilege and the honor to stand in a courtroom and talk to and, and address the judge. Good morning, Your Honor. David Shostokas on behalf of the people of the state of Illinois. And that's a really interesting job, Jovan, because mostly what lawyers are supposed to do uh, generally is zealously advocate for their client. Right. Amen. Absolutely. In this, in the, that, that's the general situation. But in this, but, a, but a state's attorney or a district attorney or prosecutor of some sort, uh, attorney general, assistant attorney general, their job is to justice. They have this they have this duty to follow the law wherever that law is proper and takes them. When I would say that, in that, you know, as, as, as on behalf of the people, my uh, there would be a guy to my right that was accused of a crime. Well, he's one of the people as well. He's one of the people as well. My duty is, in fact, if I'm going to assist the government in seeking to take somebody's life, liberty, or property, to do it through due process of law, to do it beyond a reasonable doubt, to do it, you know, it's a very special thing. And if you can't do those, you can't follow those things, then you're not supposed to do it. It's just very, very, it's a, it's a special job. And I would suggest that it's not a place where you should, the attorney general, the top law enforcement attorney in the state, it, that's not a place where you should learn. It's not a place where, you know, where you should begin to learn that work. 
we don't want training wheels there. And unfortunately, it's a new trend. I mean, look at AOC, right? Brand new training wheels. And right. goes to a, a high office. So okay. that's, that, that's that situation. As we were talking before we got on, one of the things that I've had to uh, had to spend a lot of time explaining to people uh, is the difference between the United States Attorney General and the uh, and a state attorney general who is elected because the United States Attorney General is appointed by and serves at the pleasure of the president of the United States. And despite the fact that all the protestations to the contrary, because the attorney generals always say they're the head of the Justice Department as well. And they always say, well, we're impartial and we don't we don't play politics and we don't do this. The president can fire him. You know, <laughs> and so so ultimately he he can either follow the policies of the president or he can resign. Right. So that's, you know, so it's a completely different job, and it is tremendously political in terms of he owes his he owes his job to the president. Now, an elected attorney general, of which there are forty three states, elect their attorneys general. Okay. Uh, forty three states elect their attorneys general, and this is something that the people in those states should know. That those elected attorney general, attorneys general, it's a very that's an interesting construction, by the way. You don't say attorney generals, you say attorneys general. Interesting. Uh, but that, but the people in all those forty-three states should understand that that's their lawyer. That do that lawyer does not owe a duty to the governor, the government, the Department of Public Health, the Board of Elections, the Board of Education, all the alphabet soup of state agencies. He owes his duty to the people of that state. And that's something that folks need to be educated on because their natural inclination, because they hear about Merrick Garland in the news and all the other attorneys general that we've had at the United States level. And those guys ultimately fulfill the policies of the president. So when the local attorney general, the local state attorney general follows the orders or goes to court to protect the governor, right? people think that's natural. It's not. I, you know, I, I know uh, when, when I think of attorney generals and I think of like Brnovich in Arizona, it's more like them protecting their cronies, but you're right. They're not serving the people. They're not protecting the people. My mind was blown when I found out that, uh, Dave, David Lara, that, uh, is the impetus for 2000 mules, right? He started telling them about that in 2022, or excuse me, 22 years ago in, in 2000 and all through it, even to the time that he turned it over to Brnovich in 2018 says, look, this is what's going on. Here's how it happened. AG didn't get back with them until after the 2020 general election. And he goes, what have you been doing with it? And the AG's investigator said, well, we just wanted to compare how bad the general election would be doing this to the primary." Can yeah. you believe a response like that? No, it's it's insanity. And it's insanity that they get away with it. But they get away with it because of this misunderstanding that's brought among the public uh, that the attorney general is appointed by or, or serves at the pleasure of the governor when they do not. You know, this is uh, this is crazy. Uh, and so uh, and of course, so many of them utilize the uh, attorney general's office as a political career stepping stone. Right. Uh, you, you mentioned Brnovich. He's now running for the Senate. Uh, and so he's looking to do something else, you know, as opposed to uh, our uh, our friend in Texas, uh, who has just been outstanding, uh, outstanding in, uh, in that job. Paxton and, is uh, kicking butt. I'm yeah. telling you, he is kicking butt. And and they are trying hard to get him run out. I mean, the system, the rhinos are trying hard to scrub him out of politics because he's an AG that's doing what's right. That and that's uh, and that's and that's the problem because too many of them I've, I've gotten uh, uh, here's a, here's an example of the of the difference if the attorney general and the governor have a disagreement about what the law is the attorney general wins. You know, the attorney general wins. They here they're back in in Illinois in March of 2020 uh JB Pritzker issued his first executive disaster order related to shutdowns and COVID and all that stuff. Right. And, and the fact is, is the Illinois Emergency Management Act says the uh, governor has extraordinary powers that he can exercise for 30 days. And that's always been the understanding of the law. And if it's uh, 
if there's a, an ability to uh, go beyond the 30 days, that would make the 30-day provision in the statute superfluous. But the Illinois Attorney General, that's the current guy, his name is Kwame Rowell, uh, wrote a, a, he called it an Attorney General opinion, but it's actually a political document uh, that uh, said, oh no, you can issue 30-day consecutive orders every 30 days, you can issue a new one. That's contrary to the law. And if, say, oh, I don't know, say I had been attorney general at the point in time, I would have told the governor, I said, you got your 30 days, you've declared your disaster, exercise your extraordinary power, go to the legislature, and then have the legislature participate in how we're going to deal with this, because that's what the law says. And if the governor says, oh, well, I'm going to issue another one, I said, I would say, guess what? I am not going to defend you in court. Right. Your orders are done after 30 days because you will have no legal defense. And because that's all the power they technically have. Right. Right. They don't they, they can't go to court. Uh, and uh, and strangely enough, under the constitutions of the 43 states where they have elected attorneys general, the governor doesn't get to go for a second opinion. He's stuck with the lawyer that the people gave him. You know, and uh, this is something that people around the country should know and understand, and they should expect and demand the attorney general to represent them, or more importantly, as I said to begin with, justice, that is, follow the law. Uh, you know, it, again, in terms of reining in the government, all, all I have to do is follow the law. You know, anytime anybody, I've got a, I've got a lawsuit myself uh, that I'm involved in that I filed on behalf of the Illinois Conservative Union. I, we sue them on an election matter. The, uh, we've, we sued the Board of Elections uh, here in Illinois to have them comply with the National Voter Registration Act and provide the data to determine what, if the board is doing their job. Right. <laughs> and they said, no, you can't have the data. Okay. They said, no, you can't have the data. And there's Section 8 of the National Voter Registration Act that says they can have the data. And uh, even uh, Illinois uh, limitations on that data, not, notwithstanding, and the issue has already been decided in 12 other states. But you have the attorney general of the state of Illinois telling citizens of the state of Illinois that their government doesn't have to follow the law. You know, and nobody, no, you know, and so we're, we're still in court. We're in court after about two and a half years with that. They it's basically four grandmothers that uh, were the board of the uh, Illinois uh, Conservative Union that went and right. asked for the data. Right. And we won two motions to dismiss. And after that, they started asking uh, for uh, felony records of the grandmoms, uh, you know, <laughs> what if they've had any felony convictions and uh, what their work history was and all this other kind of stuff that has nothing to do with whether they're entitled to that or not. Uh, and uh, had, again, uh, such a suit crossed my desk, I would have got on the phone. I would have looked at the suit. I would have looked at the law. I would have got on the phone with the Board of Elections. I would have said, give them the data. They're entitled to it. You know, it's, it's that simple. You know, Melissa asked on Facebook, Melissa Ward said, What's the recourse that we have, we the people, against corrupt AGs? These are uh, this is problematic because they're um, they are in fact the chief law enforcement uh, uh, officers. There are it depends, that's going to vary from state to state. Some states have uh, some states have recall uh, options. Uh, in fact, uh, we just saw some magnificent recall in San Francisco a couple of days right, ago, right, from a uh, corrupt district attorney. Uh, was uh, was recalled in uh, in San Francisco, and so that can that can take place there. There are uh, abilities within the legislature to remove these people by impeachment. In other states, that's going to vary from state to state. There there are remedies. Most of them are uh, political remedies that are very very difficult to uh, to execute. Uh, and for the most part, what you got to do is rise up when the next election comes, and uh, and and do it in such numbers that you can overcome the rig. So they you know? can't, they, they, so um, there's not a mechanism for like an AG to be impeached or anything like that. Yeah, well, there is, there is a, a here in Illinois, there is a, there's an impeachment mechanism, but that takes, uh, you know, two thirds of the legislature to, uh, to do. It's not an easy thing. And of course the attorney general at the moment is kind of protecting the legislature. Right. You know? uh, so this is uh this, it becomes, it becomes a real problem. And uh, hopefully, and, and it's only now that I think, um, you know, I probably over the last year talked to about 25,000 people in person and my, 
many, probably several hundred thousand in forums like like this with you. Uh, but it's only now that that education that I've been doing on the office itself is beginning to have some traction, uh, that people are beginning to understand what that office can and should be. And so the, we, uh, we hope to uh, we hope to make that kind of difference here. Can the people sue the people of the state? Can they sue an AG? Um, in theory, you can sue anybody for anything. <laughs> you know, that's a that would be a general uh, law and a general general lawyer. Lawyers say you could sue anybody for anything. I don't know what the success would be. Uh, you know, for uh, um, I would uh, suggest that there's uh, some possibilities, although there's tremendous immunity given to uh, office holders, to elected office or office holders. There's there's a tremendous amount of immunity that is given to them. Uh, it's not like you can sue for like malpractice. Right. Uh, but if, in fact, you could uh, determine that the uh, attorney general was uh, acting contrary to the Constitution in some ways, uh, then there is what they call constitutional torts. There is uh, something called uh, 42 U.S.C. Uh, Section 1983 that you can get uh, when people are deprived of their civil rights under the color of law. Uh, when the uh, attorney general is abusing his authority to deprive somebody of their uh, of their constitutional rights, there's constitutional authority. There can be remedies, but they're un very extraordinarily unusual circumstances. That's true. That's true. Let's talk. Let's just change course just for a minute. What is your impression of all this crap going on with the January 6th stuff? We know that the lead runner in Michigan today he was the leading in the polls winner in Michigan. He won the primary. He bid out all the rhinos. And all of a sudden, boop, feds pop up and arrest him today, uh, saying that he was involved in an insurrection. What do you think about all this stuff going on? Well, certainly, I'd, uh, you know, I, I, I'm afraid to say this at the moment so that I don't get arrested. But while I was working in Pennsylvania, I was on the phone a few times with Peter Navarro uh, in, the, uh, in the White House who was uh, coordinating some of the responses to that election uh, right. that, that time. Because I spent uh, from late October through uh, Thanksgiving in uh, in Pennsylvania working on those matters. I went to went to court with Mayor Giuliani, and I actually testified before the Pennsylvania Senate. Uh, right. And so, uh, so I, you know, it's... Uh, it's it's a banana republic thing going on that people are misusing the law to prosecute their political enemies. Uh, this is this is horrible. You see this. There's that you know the price of gas. When I drive down the street and I see the price of gas, I think we're on the uh, Venezuelan track. And then when you see the see these kinds of arrests of uh, political figures, this is uh, the same kind of misuse of the government authority that you would see in a place like Venezuela. Absolutely. You know, so you can you can put the gasoline in the same bucket with uh, with these kinds of arrests. But you had, you were asking about January 6th. I, I get asked about January 6th regularly. And I have a very unusual answer about January 6th uh, because I actually was in Georgia. I had been working with the National Republican Senatorial Committee on the Georgia runoffs. Nobody remembers this. OK, there was runoff elections in Georgia that took place on January the 5th. Right. Uh, and I had been there since uh, the day after Christmas, uh, doing observations and working on uh, situations. We're monitoring ballot processing in uh, primarily Clay County, uh, about 30 miles north of Atlanta. Right. Uh, and, and then doing verifications. Well, so we've been going every day, myself and a couple other attorneys. We we're taking turns doing, uh, doing going different places, uh, monitoring this, uh, this, the Georgia processing of uh, ballots. And on the evening of January the 5th, uh, when uh, everybody went to bed, uh, Senator David Perdue was down by three-tenths of a point. And uh, there's an automatic recall in Georgia, or automatic recount in Georgia at five-tenths or less. Right. Yeah, I know you're familiar with Georgia. I actually saw your Georgia testimony. It took place while I was in Atlanta. I was going to say, we were there at the same exact time, all of us. Yeah, were, yeah. yeah you were just down the street with our uh, common friend, Catherine, uh, and uh, you were in Georgia. I actually saw you doing amazing. That should have been brand. That should have been national news because you were hacking the Georgia election system on live television. Just amazing. I, you know, I got goose pimples now watching that. But that's not the rest of my story. Maybe I'm going to get more like Bobby. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, at any rate, 
Purdue and the, the night of January 5th, Purdue's down by three tenths of a point. We go back to the same locations because the way Georgia law was at that point in time was they could uh, anything that they received mail-in ballots by the close of the polls right. on, the, uh, on election day would be processed the next day and counted. Okay, so there was still processing and counting. There was a signature verification facility and a and a processing facility. So we went there like we had always gone, uh, and we were there at eight o'clock in the morning to the one uh, ballot uh, processing facility. And um, door was locked. Door was locked. Nobody was there, uh, or I don't know that nobody was there. The door was locked where we had been going for ten days private previous every day and participating in monitoring. In fact, I was actually part of what they call um, ballot review panel. I actually saw some Dominion machines in action during the course of this. That's all separate stories, I'm sure you're aware. Right. But, uh, I, but at any rate, the door was locked. We went over to the ballot processing uh, place, which was in the courthouse, uh, in the clerk's office, and uh, those doors were locked. Note on the door says, we will not be opening. They processed the final ballots in Georgia on January 6th while everybody was watching the guy with the horns on his head. Right. Out of sight, in, in lockdown. Nobody paid any attention. And at the close of that new processing, uh, Senator Purdue was down by 1.2%. Uh, and uh, this is my story. This is the untold George story of January 6th. While everybody's paying attention to what's going on in Washington, D.C., the final counting of what was happening in Georgia on those two crucial, crucial Senate seats took place behind closed doors. Georgia's really interesting animal. I'll give you, uh, talking about time when, when we were there, uh, many people became exposed to me there when I was testifying in the Senate. And they always talked about how these poll books and everything are safe and secure. The bottom line is they actually just left all the doors open. They didn't secure anything. But what I find really interesting is back in 2020, the Fulton County uh, election officials issued 250 laptops to people sitting in the polls that had direct access to the voting system. Every one of these people were ACLU attorneys. Now, I heard in this uh, midterm, they did the same thing. And I heard a story where one of the people at the polls, uh, this person showed up, they knew she was with the ACLU and they were waiting to get her access. And she said, that's okay. And she just logged right into the election system and could see it right there. I've always wondered, uh, one, I know that's wrong. And I know it's part of the big lie. You know, that you know everybody talks about these systems being hackable, and they are. But more of these systems, they just leave the doors open, period, and let people walk right on in. So my question is, why would they issue... And I think they did it under the guise of election integrity. Why would they issue laptops that could access the voter rolls and the election systems to ACLU attorneys? Can you make any sense of that? No. I mean, I, the, the, only, the only thing is that you've been involved in election things for a long time. I've been involved in election things a long time. Uh, I can date back to 150,000 illegally open ballots in Broward County, Florida in 2016 that I was that I discovered while I was working with the Trump Rubio campaign in 2016. The mm -hmm. only th the only reason to to do anything other than election day with excuse for absentee balloting is to steal 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 ballots. Very that, true. There, 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 there is no reason to do anything else, you know, and so what you're talking about there's no reason to give anybody access that is not a government uh, government official to any of this information. Uh, to um, you know, I, I would suspect off the top of my head that doing that was probably illegal. You know, and um, I've never been able to reconcile it. I've always, you know, these the, the point I was only proving uh, when we were all there in Arizona. You know, we're, we're there technically in the courthouse all presenting this evidence. People are across the street at Cobb County uh, Library where they're voting, right? And clearly, 
you could see the poll books. They were wide open and right there. You could see it right there in the system. And they claim these things are secure. And they made such a big deal out of it, saying I was a total wackadoodle and that couldn't be done. However, we obtained um, footage of their training sessions that were done two weeks before election. And they were telling people, we even got their documents. They were telling people, make sure you don't leave this toggle on on the poll books because people can get into the system if you leave it open. It just leaves it wide open. And you don't want, they. their actual words is, we don't want Igor and Ivan, referring to Russians, to be able to get into the system. As an attorney general, how will you plug these holes in Illinois with Illinois being such a deeply well-known state for corruption, collusion, and birthing Obama. Tell us, how will you make a difference there? We can, well, certainly there's a, there's a number of methods by, you know, election law itself, more often than not, is not written, uh, is not, it's not generally bad. The problem is, is that elections, election law always assumes that there will be an effective adversarial oversight. It always assumes that's 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 the fate. Say that again. That it assumes. It assumes that there will be effective adversarial oversight. It assumes that there will always be a, a Republican and a Democrat that are uh, have equal access to uh, view the process as it goes on. But uh, there's a, that, but that's the basic assumption of the law. Right. And if that were to be the case, uh, actually things would probably go all right. But the fact is, is there are way too many single party jurisdictions. And that goes for both parties because the temptation seems to be uh, universal, uh, you know, in that, in that regard. But there are too many single party jurisdictions where one party controls the election machinery and ultimately then closes out the observations of the op opposition. And they do that effectively with the with the acquiescence of law enforcement. Um, and so I would suggest that in that in the areas where um, around the state where there are uh, single party jurisdictions, that's where there's going to be the most prevalent problems. And I would have 450 uh, assistant attorneys general that uh, would be under our command that would be dispatched to those single party jurisdictions and right. see, to it, see to it that those kinds of uh, temptations if you will, are not uh, are not available to the uh, to the people who might be tempted. I uh, see it, it, it's all about enforcing the law, and that's uh, you know, I again it, where there's where, where there's a true competition between the parties, the elections are going to be okay more often than not because they're going to have one equal number of Republican judges, equal number of Democrat judges. They each keep an eye on each other leg legitimately, and that things uh, things will go well. But in, uh, say, uh, say, a Cook County or uh, uh, Madison County down south, uh, uh, and I shout out to the folks in Madison. I'm doing a Zoom with them afterwards uh, oh after, after we finish. Uh, so we're going to be uh, with the folks in Madison. But where there's single-party dominance, this is where the problems lie. And that's where, where we saw all those major – and, of course, many of those jurisdictions are big cities dominated by Democrats who uh, effectively lock out – the view of the opposition. While I was in Allegheny County, Pennsylvania, in November 2020, we went to go do observation there, and they put us all in a little corral, 50, 60 feet away from the nearest nearest ballot processor, and they were wheeling in the ballots already opened. Really? The ballots were coming in on 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 things, and the ballots had already been slid open in another room outside. So we have no idea what was actually in the ballots that they were opening processing. Right. Or even if that was the real ballot or everything at all. So when's your primary? When's it Our coming up? And yeah. uh, primary is June 28th. It's a, it's a, it's, it's coming up very, very quickly. As I mentioned, I have two opponents, neither of them. Uh, let's say I mentioned that neither of them have any uh, uh, prosecutorial experience. Neither of them have any experience with election matters like we've just been talking about. Uh during the course of the pandemic, I also um, sued on behalf of a, uh, a church that was uh, being interfered with having their services based on uh, based on the governor's orders. Right. And we sued on behalf of the church uh, standing in the word ministries in a little town of Morris, Illinois. And within two weeks, we got the church open. Neither of them have any experience doing anything with religious liberty. 
Uh, and this office covers the gamut of these kinds of things, election law. In fact, there's 15 specific duties in the Illinois Attorney General Act. Among the top five is to enforce and prosecute election law, prosecute election crimes. Uh, and, and legitimately, all the work you do, all the work everybody else is doing, everything like that, the only way to put a stop to any of this is to have a few people do some perp walks. That's uh, very true. You know, we have to get it done. You know, and we have to have legitimate, uh, legitimate prosecutors who are in there for the right reasons. And we ultimately, uh, you said it's June 28th. Ultimately, we're going to need about 400,000 votes in the in the primary to uh, to win. Uh, and for whatever it's worth, it costs us about 27 bucks to uh, talk to about 3,000 voters. We want to talk to each of them 10 times. You can do the math. Um, so do we need help? Absolutely. We so we help. can take uh, donations on Dave4AG.com. Does your site have it easy there to, to find it? Yep. There's a, at the top of uh, at the top of the front page, uh, Dave4AG.com. There's a contribution link you can click on there. And uh, I just uh, regarding that, regarding that, we can make a difference. I mentioned about the specific authority for the Illinois Attorney General regarding election matters. Right. And. and uh, the uh, woman that there was a woman that ran for Illinois Attorney General back in 2018. She actually won the state of Illinois outside of Cook County, and which is where Chicago is. And a switch of 277,000 votes in Cook County would have made her the Attorney General. That is not everybody talks about Illinois being deep blue, right? Right. 277,000 votes and it's red out of a uh, population of 13 million people. This is not a big number. Uh, and uh, strangely enough, I'm also, uh, I, they, they, Republicans very seldom, maybe they can't find one, I don't know. They don't usually have a Cook County guy. Uh, but I, I'm a former Cook County prosecutor. My family sold beer on the south side of Chicago for 60 years. Uh, I, know, I know Cook County like the back of my hand, and we have a lot of connections with it. Uh, I mentioned the 277,000 votes. Um, my my family's Lithuanian, but that makes us uh, among the Lithuanians, the Poles, the Romanians, the Ukrainians, of which in uh, Chicago, there's a million of us. Uh, and nobody's talked to us for a long, long time. I would, and, they uh, would think they've been ignored. Do you truly think Illinois is blue? No. No, I and I've either. had the opportunity to travel. I've, I've had the opportunity to travel around uh, all over the state. And as I say, the message is well received. The people want the same thing. They want it to be safe. They, You know, there's, uh, there was recently they passed this um, um, taking away parental notification for uh, minors to get abortions. People are so upset about that. that. That's not something they want to have happen. They want to have a lot of they want to have, they want to have input in their children's lives. And I've talked to some of the some of the pro-life groups. Uh, Illinois Family Action, the premier pro-life uh, organization here in Illinois, has endorsed my candidacy. I don't even think that there's a long I, there's a long line of uh, Supreme Court cases regarding parental authority over their children, and I don't even think that that law that they passed doing away with parental notification is legal. Uh, and uh, the Illinois Attorney General would, in fact, be in a position as the lawyer for the all the people of the state would be in a position to challenge that. We can enforce elections. We can challenge those kind of things. We can make sure that when the governor does something, the governor follows the law. There's amazing stuff that we can do. And uh, but because and if we make that shift, it, having a red attorney general in Illinois is a tsunami across the country. Right. The, the national implications of that happening are just uh, too large to imagine because we're again. I would have the authority to be seeing over, overseeing elections. And you know what? Despite of the thing, despite what everybody thinks about the state, it would become in play in 2024. Yeah, getting getting you in as AG will change the entire political landscape there and affects every other state as well. Hey Dave, tell me tell me about this program you've got yes. going on. Um, here with Illinois Freedom Alliance. Uh, folks, yes. you can snap a copy uh, of this Q code. Take a screenshot real quick, folks, and write down the phone number. Dave, tell us about it. What's going on? Yeah, uh, Illinois Freedom Alliance is a great group uh, out in uh, out in Western Illinois, where they're headquartered out in Moline, Rock Island County. But they are involved with uh, 
putting together a, a Virginia-like program, an Eyes on Every Ballot program. So, uh, and the number there is where uh, people in Illinois that want to be poll watchers or election judges in the upcoming election, and there's still plenty of room to do that. That's where you can call, and they were they are sorting people out. They've already got folks assigned to over 35 counties, and they're also connected with 13 other grassroots groups that are outside the uh, political establishment. And this is one of their ways because, of course, so many places there's just there's you know there's no Republicans or Democrats. There's just the folks in charge, you know. Right. And, uh, and you got to you got to wade your way through that. If you're running as an office, you got to kind of work your way through and sort out who's the who's the legit people that are in there for um, for public policy and for good reasons and the folks that are there for the family business, uh, you know, and uh, and Illinois Freedom Alliance is one place I can guarantee you that they are there for the right reasons. In fact, I am uh, I'm entitled to having uh, two poll watchers in every precinct throughout the state as a statewide candidate. And uh, they're coordinating my poll watchers around the entire state of Illinois. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is. And so there's still people can still sign up and get trained and everything. Is that yes. also what this is doing? Yes, they can still sign up. They can still get trained. The the uh, the QR code will take them right to the sign up page. Uh, and if you can't uh, can't get the QR code, then please uh, go ahead and call. Talk to Annie, my good friend out there. They are just they're just going to gangbusters. Annie was. Uh, on with uh, Steve Bannon on War Room about uh, about four or five weeks ago. And after that, that just exploded for her in terms of the folks that wanted to volunteer. And uh, so that volunteers for that. And if you're not in Illinois, please understand that, in fact, this campaign can have national implications, positive na national implications for the country as a whole uh, because of what we can do about the, uh, the election here. But the uh, the the, the model that we can set following more like the Jason Mieras models right. uh, and uh, actually prosecuting criminals where the, uh, where the local prosecutors don't. And this is a good way. People don't understand that the, that the attorney general can oversee the local guys who are turning criminals loose. Uh, we can go ahead and prosecute those crimes that those people are turning loose. And so there's a lot of positive things you can do for your state, but they'll, but I would suggest a victory in, by me would encourage other folks that only want to only want to have this office. Some people have asked, well, if you do this, you want to have another office, you want to run for governor. I said, I explained to you that when the attorney general and the governor disagree, the attorney general wins. I said, why would I want a demotion? That's right. Why would you want a demotion? So why final comments, final comments to listeners in Illinois. What do you need to tell them? And then final comments on the national scale what do you need everybody to remember on june 28th june 20 there's a, there's obviously already uh, we're in election season but uh, as uh, i've been with um, yourself and bobby and other folks i've been we're encouraging folks to go ahead and ask for their mail-in ballot and then take it with them and vote in the polls on election day Absolutely. Uh, and if somebody tells you you've already voted you call the sheriff uh, because they are now breaking the law because you have proof that you did not vote. There was, a, in, my, in my experience in Georgia, or excuse me, Pennsylvania, I uh, adjudicated nearly 600 people who had been made to vote provisionally when they had not voted, but somebody had voted for them. So this is a, this is something that you, they have to, so vote on election day Absolutely. for uh, long, long reasons on that. And uh, folks, uh, folks around the country can help us so greatly by helping us have the resources to get the message out that we can, in fact, make uh, Illinois red. And by making Illinois red, it has a sea change on the entire electoral map for the entire country. Amen. Amen. So, folks, I encourage you to go to Dave4AG.com. Uh, that's a very viable, important strategy. We've talked about it several times, folks. I'm going to remind you. Go ahead, get your mail-in ballot, request it. Don't open it. Don't open it. And go vote in person. Don't tell them you have it. Just go vote in person. And when they tell you, sorry, we've already got your mail-in vote and vote it, you're going to pull out that sealed mail-in ballot right there. Have your sheriffs and stuff on speed dial. Know what your rights are because somebody is stealing your vote, taking your identity. 
Go ahead, Dave. Final final note on that relative to signing up with uh, with Illinois Freedom Alliance on the poll watching activities. We will, in fact, ha also have um, we, we're, we're establishing a team of attorneys to respond to those kinds of things so that it, if you do not get satisfaction from the sheriff or from your local prosecutor, then we will have we, we have attorneys that are also uh, part of what we call election day operations. And I've got I had experience with doing that with the Trump campaign in Florida and the Trump campaign in Pennsylvania and the Georgia campaign uh, and whatnot. So uh, we're putting together uh, what we call a war room uh, right. for uh, for election day to be able to respond to those kinds of situations for whatever it's worth. Uh, a call from the sheriff. They may, you, you may have a good or bad sheriff. They'll listen to a lawyer. You know, yes. they, uh, you know, it's not they should listen to the citizens, but they're but they're they're more concerned with somebody that can drag them into a courtroom. And uh, we are putting together a team to do that. And that's also through the Illinois Freedom Alliance. So uh, please uh, follow that instruction. And that will make all the difference in the world because the people won't know what the outcome of the election is until Election Day. The people, the bad folks. That's right. You know, we can't give them a heads up anymore. We've got to stop that. That early votes part of the rig. Uh, Dave, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, keep in touch. Uh, keep us as we get closer to the why here going on. And uh, I know absolutely you're a true patriot and the right person for this position. Folks, I just want to remind you, if Illinois can fall and a person like Dave get in and become the AG and turn it red, it is going to send the right signal. It's going to embolden many others to get going and get this fixed. So, Dave, I, I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you so much, Joe Van. Thank you to your audience, and thank you for all that you do. Good. Take care, brother. Take care. There you go, folks. This is the way it is. I mean, you have uh, people that are out there, as you hear from Dave, he knows what's up. He's willing to fight it. And when you hear an AG saying, why would I want to be anything else but an AG? I just want to protect the people. Folks, that's what we need in office. That is absolutely what we need in office. These are the type of people that we need running. Uh, this is the kind of information that you need to have. Tons of info. Uh, get on Dave's mailing list. Uh, for the different stuff he does, because he is one of these great resources, period. And just to imagine, look, they're putting up people, as you heard it, that have no experience. Why would they even want that? Well, they want that because they just want shields in that they can push around, right? They just want shields in. So folks, I want to thank you for joining me this evening. Share this program. Share that URL, Dave4AG.com. Go visit it. Help out if you can, because we're all in this fight together. And it's very important we get this right, get it done. And Illinois is one of those dominoes. Take care, folks. Good night. Most people are afraid to stand up and speak out, but not you. You've been learning how to tell the system to cut the crap. What can I do to help save the America I love? And the answer is, learn how to fight back and tell the system to cut the crap. Cut the crap's not just a radio program, it's a movement. The right kind of movement, which breaks free the conservative constipation and reminds you that you are the majority, and we're just not going to take it anymore. Make sure you're following Joe Von Hunt and Pulitzer on all social media. See you next week, and between now and then, take a stand and tell them all to cut the crap. Hey there, think of all those people who mocked you for being a conspiracy theorist. Are you ready to become the smartest patriot in the room? Well, now's your chance to join me on Local. It's exclusive. It's a free trial membership where you can use to determine if my work, my insight, my content, and what I do to educate you to fight this fight for our country is worth it. <laughs> but you know what? If we lost the election, we know when we lose. If I lost the election, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it. Seriously. The county has refused to produce the network routers. We want the routers, Sonny. The county refused to produce the network routers. Wendy, we gotta get those routers, please. Get up! Get up.
routers. Come on, Kelly, we can get those routers. Those routers. Wow. If you got those routers, what that will show. And they don't want to give up the routers. They are fighting like hell. Why are these commissioners fighting not to give the routers? How simple could it be? That will tell the truth. And they don't want to give up the routers. What are they trying to hide? And I say it, and I'll say it, because the easiest way of cheating is to throw them away. That's easier. The county has refused to produce the network routers. We want the routers, Sonny. The county refused to produce the network routers. Wendy, we gotta get those routers, please. It's so unfair. It's so unfair. It's so ridiculous. I, I'll be honest, though. Look, we all like to win. If I lost this election, I could handle it pretty easily. Run in 24, sir. You're gonna win. And I say, wait a minute. I just won six months ago. The big lie, they call it. Those trends are unproven. And knowing what happened in the election is a good thing, not a bad thing. It's a good thing, not a bad thing. It's a good thing. The county has refused to produce the network routers. We want the routers, Sonny. The county refused to produce the network routers. Wendy, we gotta get those routers, please. If you think about cancel, everything about cancel culture, they want cancel culture. But what they don't want to do is anything having to do with the 2020 election. We have no press. We have no voice. They almost got away with it. They may have gotten away with it. And I've got to tell you, I've got to say this. I've never said it before, but I've always thought it. I get along with Putin because that's a good thing, not a bad thing. The county has refused to produce the network routers. We want the routers, Sonny. The county refused to produce the network routers. Wendy, we got to get those routers, please. Get up! Get up! We've got all the right in the world on our side. And there ain't no reason to be afraid. And there ain't no reason to not take the challenge dead on. Because I'm going to tell you who we come from, folks. We don't come from some weak, jellyback, spineless people. That's not who we come from. None of us. And it doesn't matter what color you are, what nation your folks hail from, how much money you got. We all share the same name. We are Americans. And at Bunker Hill, there was Americans. And at Fredericksburg and Gettysburg, there was Americans. And at Iwo Jima, raising that flag on Sarabachi, it was Americans. And at Porkchop Hill, there was Americans. Quezon, there was Americans. And on 9-11, there was Americans who ran towards those burning buildings. That is who you share your heritage with. You do not share your heritage with a weak and ineffective people who cower at the side of trouble. You share your heritage with a strong and brave people who are determined to hold on to their freedom and for the freedom of future generations. Guys, it's time for us to stand up and be that generation. It's time for us to stand strong and proud and remember who we are, that we are Americans. And as long as we stand as the vanguard of freedom in this nation, Freedom will survive. Not only survive, but guys, time to put on our packs. Time to fix those bayonets. It's time to get ready. We got a fight on our hands. And our fight is not for us. For all those generations that's going to come behind us. Let's save America, folks. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Like a lion, you David fighting Goliath. 
As our world. 